Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Hanging out with you guys from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Always a pleasure to hang out with you guys, Ranch Nation. Bring those trumpets back up. Yeah, Let's hear the bring, bring them back. back. You gotta have them. You can't deny the Boodle's band. Let's hear. Where damn trumpets? Where are there, they they are. there they are. <laughs> to hang out with you guys every week. RanchNation.tv is a salute to the Boodles band. Greg Ovis from GWZWZUP.com, baby. What's going on? And Susie Sockets. <laughs> yep. What you working on these days, Susie? Oh, my gosh. How's that? My Honda garage f- now. Hot, oh, yeah. Yeah, cleaning the garage. This little, is a big deal. Everybody's yeah, out here. painting the walls and epoxy floors Actually, and all that I am consolidating probably three moves. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, it's time. It's time to purge. Yep. Yes. I understand that. It is. A little music in the background. Let's lure that. Excellent. All right. So, RanchNation.tv, uh, we invite you guys to get on there. We had, uh, if you're new to the show, we're an automotive lifestyle show. We're going to cover... The fascinating, interesting folks from all over the world, for that matter. Yep. You guys can catch. I know a lot of you got ADD. You can't hang. Like two <laughs> minutes is all you got. It's like Insta Stories. <laughs> this is old. This is heavy, long radio. You will miss bits and pieces of the show. We respect that. You can get on wrenchnation.tv and catch your favorite episodes. A big shout out to uh, KMET out of California. Hey, you guys rock. We've heard from you on the Saturday show. And our Sunday podcast still have a little music in the background. Let's bring that down. Oh, there we go. Oh, we I got. I was kind of liking it. But Shout yeah. out to the board. Uh, let's, <laughs> Good job, Aiden and Alex. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I don't always, know why, but that music. Like, this is like I feel like you're working for Bank of America day trading stocks. <laughs> all it's all the way down. I don't know why. I don't know how I could still hear it. It's uh, it's the way it goes. Uh, Susie, so. Um, so you said you're working on your garage. Working on the garage. On cars or like dusting? Uh, paperwork from 2004, and I even found some 1998. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I googled. How long do you take, keep paperwork? That's Seven so years. funny. You know what I did this week. Clean the you garage. Know, you got, <laughs> we still got music. I don't know what we're going to do, but that's okay. It's coming in through the headset. It's all good. So, you know, you ever get that project, Greg, you get that project. Mm-hmm. It's sitting. You look at it every day. It could be a microwave that you got to clean. Yep, you walk and, by And you it. just walk by and say, ah, next week, yep. next week. <laughs> I had 32 boxes of files to shred. Oh, oh, my. And you said you were going through files. Yeah. What I did is I shredded and I took it down to the city dump. I was thinking of that. A city dump is a fascinating place. I was thinking of that. But you don't want to know my main goal to clean the garage out? Just to fit one of the five cars in there. Right? Yeah. That's it. I, hey, you got to make room, girl. That's right. On this show, we're excited to bring in, uh, you know, when I, when I tell you guys, a lot of you have been with us for many years, I tell you that we cover some of the uh, inspirational, uh, and and this show is, is no doubt going to be some inspiration. Uh, we're honored to have Chris Martin, kid from the streets of Topeka, Kansas. Survived a violent home life and broken foster care system. And Chris went on to become one of the nation's first medical marijuana pioneers in the state of Arizona. We're going to be sharing his story. Yeah, that's a great um, story. Brian Fox is with us. Uh, Brian Fox, we're going to hear from him. Uh, he's a local heavyweight as a political consultant. Uh, I remind you to get on AZ Valley Consulting. You can catch more on Brian uh, Fox. We're going to bring these two cats on. 
here in a little bit. I got to give a shout out before we get yeah, into the weird news. I'm super proud of this cat. He used to work with us about 10 years ago. Uh, Anthony Ramos. He's had this company for, I think, about a year. He is rock solid. On-site oil change plus. A lot of you are not leaving your house. You still, you still think it's COVID. <laughs> you don't want to go anywhere. And you, you need to service that car. Anthony Ramos and his team, onsiteoilchangeplus.com. They do oil changes, brake services, battery installs, a lot of light line stuff. Super proud of this kid. That's awesome. Does an amazing job. He handles RVs, fleets, all kinds of stuff. Nice. And he's built a nice, I've watched him, he's built a nice company. And he does RVs too, huh? He does. Well, he'll come out. Yeah. You know, he's set up. And and I say that respectfully, um, you're coming into my garage and you're getting service and that's cool. But some of you, the lifestyle's just not, you know, you may live out in the boonies. Right. You're not going to drive 30 miles. So is he mobile? He's mobile. That's awesome. Oh, wow. On site. Okay. Oil change plus. But Frank, Re- will he do a wiener mobile? I don't know that wiener mobile. <laughs> We're still trying to find out what happened in Vegas. They stole that catalytic converter on the wiener mobile. But check him out, uh, Anthony Ramos and his team on site oilchangeplus.com. We'll have him in our friends section as uh, one of our good guys and gals out there. Can yeah, you- if you're gonna do a shout out, remember Anthem Model. Anthem Auto also. We, maybe we'll we'll call their shop yes. and get an estimate. <laughs> Dare Valley and 7th Avenue, great people. Yes, they are. Uh, you want to get more details on? Uh... So, you know, it's funny because I used to work with uh, the owner at Wells Fargo. She was one of my uh, team members. And uh, so when she left, she and her husband opened up Anthem Auto. We so got all kinds. a full service of, garage. All kinds of shout outs. Anthem Automotive. Uh, a lot of you up in Anthem. That's like a whole island uh, on your own up there. Beautiful place. Anthem Automotive. Go is that really out. considered Anthem? Deer Valley and 7th Avenue? I don't think it is. Yeah, they're servicing Anthem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're off, so they're off of Deer Valley. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll add them to the list, Let's too. do it, Frank. Everybody's getting a shout out. So, Susie Q, give me some happy news. What's going on? Well, I got two, actually. So, the first one is going to be on my way into the studio. My husband driving. We're at the stoplight. Where's your husband at? He's, he? he's in the uh, he's studio in the other, two. He's studio in the, two. Studio two. He's like a like an executive producer. He's keeping <laughs> us in line. That's right. And uh, he's driving. And uh, first of all, he kind of overdrove the intersection. So he had to back up and wait for the green light left turn. Well, we weren't on our phones. And he the green, the green arrow came on. And he had his head down talking to me. All, all of a sudden, we hear this. Honk, 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 honk. Oh, and it's somebody. like, dang, who road, is that? Road rage. And and so we turn, and they turn, and Mark even says, where are they? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to him. I said, no, don't. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, it was our board operators, Aiden and Alex. Alex was driving, and, <laughs> oh. Aiden, and Aiden even said, didn't you see the car talk license plate on the back? What happened that's with your Susie. people? So, you got all stressed out. You guys are busy. Oh, so cool. I'm going to be 100% with you right now. Um, her and I were like afraid we were going to miss the, miss getting in. And I don't know why, but out of nowhere we get up there and she's just like freaking out. And after she honks, I'm sitting there and I was like, so you didn't see the car talk light or the license plate <laughs> and, and her face, you could just see it. Her face. Oh. Well, we love you maniacs, but this is a reminder. Yeah. Slow it down, man. It ain't worth it. No, be nice. Now, what if this woman in front of you? was smoking the wrong stuff, and she was whacked out, and she came out, and she got a little road rage in her. Think about yes, it. Yes, be think, careful. You just I mean, don't know. It's real. 
Look at turned into a lecture. It's a lecture. <laughs> this is this is uh, classes in PSA. session. <laughs> okay, now the weird story. This Please, is gonna be quick. Get weird on me. So Susan. a couple guys in Georgia actually uh, stole about eight thousand dollars worth of gaming equipment. Oh wow! Okay. From where? Um, from like a game store, right? So $8,000 worth of gaming. They fled the scene driving a Tesla. They don't know. We it's don't know. It's their Tesla. We don't know if it's stolen or if it was theirs. Elon says you can't steal them. But gosh darn it, 15 minutes later, they were caught at the charging station. Oh, <laughs> look at that. You know, it reminds me of that dude. Hey, that dude in LA about two years ago, we covered Getting this. Getting the gas. The guy stole this car, this yep. gas car. It wasn't, it wasn't EV. Yeah. And he was, police chase on, TV copters are all over the place. And he said, you know what, time out, I got to fill this thing That's up. That's right. He stopped at and the he gas did. station. So these cats were at the EV yeah. charging station. Yeah. And, and they, they got booked right then and there, got got arrested. Uh, and uh, and it's funny because that's not the only time it happened. In 2019, happened in Arizona. A lady stole a Tesla and ran out of charge. So she was caught, too. You can't mess around with Elon Musk. Here you go, whoopee cushion. He'll stop your butt. He'll do all this kind of stuff with the cars you can't mess around. That's a positive with that those cars. That is a cars. positive. But Mark brought up a good point. If, in fact, they weren't caught, does Tesla have, like, a GPS oh, system in yeah. there? Oh, sure. Yeah, so they would have been caught anyway. Oh, man, so don't pick a Tesla as a getaway car. It's like Secret Service following the Teslas. That's you right. can't mess with it. They're watching you. Greg Ovis, man, give me some news in the car auction antiquities. Well, I got What's two cooking? things. Obviously, Meekum's coming up next week. So. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be out there. We're gonna. I'm going to be there. Well, I'm not, I don't know what to say I'll be there yet, but it goes from Tuesday, All five days. Tuesday to Saturday. You'll be sleeping out there. Stop That's right. On. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably have a good time. So maybe I can call in next Wednesday, you know, from the show, from the auction. Well, in the backseat of a car? Yeah. We, we haven't coordinated yet, but I'm thinking we do some live streaming Wednesday, oh, sure. Wednesday before the show. For sure. Um, we'll give you some sleeping gas and kidnap you and bring you into the yep. show. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, one other thing I'm really excited about is Drive Magazine is back for 2023. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. They, they took a little hiatus last year, but now they're back full speed. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to say that I am back in the loop. And here's my third article that just came out this wow. month. All right, people, listen, listen, listen right now. This man did not go to, he did not go to Harvard for journalism. He's a gearhead just like you. He loves the industry. And now he's writing. Yeah. You're a rock star, man. Yeah, this is my third article. Thanks for that. Nice Give him job. support, man. And I just submitted my first article for Diesel World for, for trucks. Oh, nice. So that has been submitted, so I'm eager to hear back on that. So a little self-promotion this week. I'm excited about all this, and can't wait to see how it pans out. That man, is awesome. I, I like that because uh, I know you did one article. Mm-hmm. Uh, took took a little break, wasn't sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you were regular. Yeah, it was like I did a little like test run kind of deal, you know, make sure I am have the right good content for them. And- hey, before we cut to break, I got to just bring this up. A lot of you are flustered, maybe. Whatever you do, whether you're in school, whether you, you're in your business, whatever, you work for somebody, and you just feel like, like negativity. Like you just don't feel like things are going your way. I'm going to put you on the spot, Greg. You love what you do. Yes. You started writing. How did you call that to attraction? You didn't go to school for it. A lot of people listening now think, well, I can't make it because i got to go to school. I'm not knocking school. All right. There's some, we're not, you know, professional journalists, I guess you could say. But talk to me on that, man, because you were passionate about it. And it's like the universe brought you doors open. Yeah. What I did with this is something I've always wanted to do, but I never really was taking the initiative to go full speed and, and jump in. And I had an opportunity. I had a discussion with uh, one of the editors from Engage Media, and I offered to do an article for free. 
and offered to be mentored. How should I do oh. it? How can I do it? And he gave me an opportunity. My content hit the roof. Um, it was received well by the whole article. And then I ended up having a permanent spot. But on another side note, I've also done a lot of research talking to other editors and writers on, you know, how to get good content, how to write it, how to read it, how the reader perceives it. So I've learned a lot. So I'm excited to do it, and I'm learning, continuing to learn to do so it So you more. did the ask. I did. Yeah, yeah you got to ask. Some ask. of you are afraid to ask. There's no shame in that. Ask all day. Ask. And, and i got to speak for us. Uh, some of us uh, who feel like we're OGs, we don't need to ask. That's the biggest mistake. Have to. Yeah. Like, I have to work on that. I, I'm, 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 I raise my hand. I'm guilty of that. It's like, no, man, I've seen that before. I've done that before. Well, you know you haven't. Yep. You know, things have changed. So ask. And, and so many people are willing to give. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we like to give, mm-hmm. but some of us don't know how to receive. Exactly. And, and exactly. sometimes people, the answer is no, and people give up and stop asking. So even when the answer is no, keep asking. That's keep right. Asking. That's All right, right. We're excited about this show. Uh, you know, as an automotive lifestyle show, we're going to bring you special community edition segments. Folks in the community that have an inspiring, incredible story. Uh, Chris Martin, who has his latest book out, One Life. You can find that on Amazon. Please don't do that while you're driving. Uh, Basically, man, this is a testimony of pushing the boundaries and persevering despite some serious curveballs. We're talking prison sentence curveballs. We're talking about foster care, uh, overcoming so much. After being knocked down so knocked many down. times. down. A lot of you feel like that right now. Yeah. Don't tell me you mm-hmm. don't. You thought you were on the eighth floor of that penthouse suite and the elevator broke and you don't know how to get down or you don't know how to get up. It works both ways. Right. I want you guys to stay tuned. Branch Nation. They say I'm too young to love you. I don't know what I need. They think I don't understand. Bolt-On Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage we need to start talking at 52 percent of these ladies out in the population head on over if you feel like you can tinker with the best of them head on over to techforce.com 
Bank.org. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to partsauthority.com. Check locations nationally near you, partsauthority.com. Whether you're looking for a full-service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, MailShark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. Right on, welcome back, Wrench Nation. Hanging out with you guys. Uh, if you are interested, I'm talking to my parents, East Valley Institute of Technology. If you're new to the East Valley, a lot of you have moved in from uh, cold places. Uh, we have a lot of folks that have replanted right here uh, in the East Valley of Phoenix. Uh, quite frankly, if you're in Phoenix, uh, if you're on the west side of Phoenix, it's well worth to drive East Valley Institute of Technology. You've got dozens of skilled trades programs, evit.com. You guys can check it out. Oftentimes, we talk about the uh, trials and tribulations in the service base. A lot of you youngsters are just getting started. It's intimidating. Perhaps you tooled around in your garage. You had a basic set of tools, and then here you are at the dealer, or you come into my garage. We're, we're going we're gonna to slowly get you in line without disrespect and guiding from some of the senior guys. But what about life? If you're a baker, a roofer, a welder, or just someone starting out in business, it's overwhelming. And my guest, Chris Martin, can speak one or two things, maybe three or four, about how life can be overwhelming. And we're honored to have you, brother. Thank you for joining us in studio. Chris Martin. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. We got to get to it, man, because, you know, folks, folks right now, we all, we all have some adversities and, and things and we, let's face it, some of us give up and, and we, we turn the wrong way. Talk to us about how you, how you started your journey as a youngster uh, and maybe, maybe how you saw things as being not fair and you overcome some of that. Well, you know, I first got to recognize the fact that I find it funny every time I hear the back part of the book, when they say from the streets of Topeka, Kansas, you know, like. I mean, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. Living on the streets is really tough anywhere, but Topeka, I mean, we're not talking about LA or anything here. So, but it was tough. Um, I grew up in, in Topeka. Uh, my mom was a drug addict, alcoholic. My dad was a patch holder in a bike club. Uh, my dad left really young. My mom was pretty violent. Um, about nine years old, I found myself in a boy's home, my first boy's home. And it, I just never looked back at that. When you point. say boy's home, talk to us. Like, did the state come in and say, man, we got to take this kid out. Yeah, the first nine months of the violence in my house, I was taken out of the home 11 times and put back. 
every time they would, I would run away, they'd move me back because there's no placements. There's nowhere for these foster kids to go. I mean, even when I was a kid a long time ago, there were, you know, 3000 kids in the system and a hundred places to put them. So at the end of the day, they really want you to go home if you can. But you know, a lot of times it's because they don't take a look at the violence at home. They don't see how bad it really is there. As I took them 11 times, 11 times CPS. Um, we hear horror stories and we, we don't want to beat them up. They're overwhelmed. There's Absolutely. a lot of cases. That third or fourth time, did you feel like, I'm going nowhere, so I'm just going to be a yo-yo? What was your feeling? You knew you were going back and forth. What really broke the the, the straw that broke the camel's back was I ran away from the boys' home. Uh, once I'd finally gone back, I said, look, if this is all you're going to keep doing, then I'm, I'm going to risk it on the street. Uh, How old were you? I was nine. So I ran away from the boys' home. Uh, I found myself at a, a friend of mine's house who was friends with my parents, and I ended up going right back. Uh, once I ran away the last time. What, what they, put you back? You know, really, it's the state. The state doesn't want to mess with you. They, they don't want you in their system if they don't have to. You uh, think sometimes uh, they treat kids as a quota? Oh, we're a number. Absolutely. Uh, I, I found that once I got into the system and I didn't go back, I went through 40 placements at that point. It was, it was all about you know, money. I mean, what I learned now as a kid, I thought it was just me. I always thought it was me making bad choices, me being a bad kid, being put in a bad situation. You feel guilty? Oh yeah, I did uh, at the time. You know, of course you do. You don't, you don't have a choice. You don't have anyone to blame. There's nobody there. It's just, you No, I mean, in foster care at that time. And, and of course we're not going to blanket statement, all foster care, but speaking on your experience, you're like, man, I'm giving up hope. I'm feeling this yo-yo. You found yourself wanting to attach to not necessarily the love, but a group that accepts you. In comes the motorcycle club as, you know, right as I got older. Um, backwards up, back it up a little bit. When I came out of high school, I was a baseball player. I was a football player. That was really what I attached to in the group home was sports. Sports got me extracurricular activity. It got me extra attention, extra privileges. You know, I was a quarterback of the high school in, Pre- in Pittsburgh. So when I would go play ball, that would make the group home look good. It would make me look good. So I got some extra privileges. Not to mention I want to shed light on a group called CASA, Court-Appointed Special Advocate. If it wasn't for a group like CASA, which is a a volunteer group, it's just people that don't have anything else to do with their time but help kids. Um, David Alvarado was my CASA worker. He's in our documentary. He's in the book. Um, He volunteered his time just to look at my case and say, why'd this kid go through so many places? There's no reason for it. He doesn't have violent behavior. He's not committing felonies. Why is he moving? So Dave stepped in and it was really Dave. Dave would take my baseball video, my football video, send it to colleges, make sure I was getting recruited. And I got picked up by Yavapai and Prescott. Um, I came out, I played college baseball at Yavapai and within 30 days I was arrested for a joint. I got caught with a joint and my go, go back. What years was this? Cause now we know laws are changed. 1995. Uh, I was arrested in my, in my dorm room in Yavapai and Prescott with a joint. Um, I fought the case for almost a year and I got three years in prison because I didn't have mom and dad to parole to. I didn't have an address. I was living at the dorms. you serious college. So for something as uh, what we see now as a real minor thing, but even back then, it wasn't like intent for distribution. No. The system said, well, this, this kid's got nowhere to go. They called it possession of a dangerous drug in a, a drug-free school zone, which aggravated the sentence. So the judge made it sound like it was a mandatory minimum that I had to go to prison, which really isn't the truth. But if you don't sign that plea, that's the only time you fight it. As a 19-year-old kid, you don't know that. 
I got a court appointed lawyer telling me I'll just go do your time. Like, you know, and you want to, I, th- I think think the gut is like, you want to fight it. It's like, you can't with what, you, you, but with what? Right. <laughs> I mean, um, I've been fighting the system since I was nine. The last thing I want to do is fight anymore. I just want to play ball. That's why I'm here. And the judge looked at me as a kid from another state, bringing trouble to his city, you know, make the example out of the new guy coming to my town. And that's exactly what it was. It was, I just didn't have a support. They wanted you to go away. They didn't care. They're nobody. And if people understand prison and how it works, especially today, it's a business. Like I didn't know that at 19, I didn't know I was a cog in a machine. I I had no clue. You're in prison. You said you, uh, you rolled with uh, some bike clubs where you uh, pinpointed, talk to us about your prison stint. I imagine, um, that was not easy. You had to do what you had to do. Yeah. How did you survive that? You know, my first time down, I was a kid. Um, you get put in some situations that you don't want to be put in, but you don't have a lot of choices. You know, I, I wasn't one of those guys that was allowed. You're not going to jump me and tell me who I'm going to roll with. I mean, you might kick my ass, but it's not going to mean that I'm going to do what you're saying. So it made hard for a hard time, but I also come from a place where some of my closest friends were black and Mexican and, we were in boys' homes. Like, we took care of each other. Prison's political. It's a lot different than you are, you know, as a child in a placement. So I, I just really kicked back as a child at the beginning and watched. When I went back in the second time, it was 20 years apart. So you can imagine not only the differences in me as a man, but in the system. The second time I went down, you know, was completely different. It's There's 500 men in a warehouse fighting over four toilets versus... When I went down as a 19-year-old, it was about programming. It was about reform and rehabilitation and making you better than when you went in. Um, nowadays, that, that's not the case. Do you have friends still uh, in the system um, who you communicate regularly with that can complement that sentiment that there's no rehabbing going on? I mean, very little of it. Or I mean, how much has our prison systems changed that way? Well, you know, I can tell you it's changed for the worse, and that's why I'm still involved. That's why, you know, when I didn't get 127 years on my second time, on my second raid, um, I knew I was getting a second chance at life. So my job now is to change these bad laws and to help people that are in there doing time. So we founded a, a nonprofit called ZonkaMiles.World. Zonka is the name of my brand that I got raided for on the second charges. So in 2009, what is Zonka? Tell the people what Zonka is if they're not familiar. Yeah. Zonka bars. Um, you've heard of Willy Wonka. Well, I've been known as Billy Zonka for 15 years in 2010. We went medically legal in this state, but I had already been diagnosed with Crohn's in 2007. So I was medicinally helping my body myself privately and, and very illegally. But then when, the, we passed medical here. We're waiting for dispensaries like, hey, now we can get meds. But they didn't open for three years. They let caregivers run around and grow meds and pass them It was off. chaotic in the beginning. It yeah. was a mess. So for two years, we're rocking. We got our products out, our candy bars, all our edibles, our RSO. Everything. Helping people. I mean, it, rocking it. See, this is the problem with society. Some are on the side of the fence that, oh, they're all stoners. They're getting high. But that's not the case. I mean, there's medicinal situations, and now we're knowing. We're more educated. As soon as you get in on here, I don't want to leave you out of this conversation. Medicinally speaking, helps a tremendous amount of people. Talk to me. You've got some friends that have had conditions that overnight, like medically speaking, they were told, can't help you unless we, you, you, you really get addicted to this legal pharmaceutical madness. So I did get my medical card um, when it came out because remember prior to my hip surgery. So I have two full total hips Mm -hmm. now. But prior to that, 
man, it was the only thing that helped me. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't want to do the, the shots in the back. I didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I was, I was very grateful. Yeah, if you're just joining us, uh, please, people, um, you're going to keep this book in your library. You're going to share it with a ton of your family. I'm talking to you that think you're sitting high and mighty. It doesn't always stay that way in life. Life can happen. Chris Martin, One Life, the Chris Martin story. We're diving in on Wrench Nation, and we're honored to have Chris Martin, but I do want to bring in a very special guest who's hanging with us, Brian Fox, who's a political consultant for AZ Valley Consulting. Uh, you're behind the movement for some of this madness that's happening. We're not a political show. We don't want to get into that. We're just a people show. In other words, there are people that need help. There's a situation right now with the madness of addiction. We're going to flip it now because you're more in a controlled, it's legal, but now we're in a situation, homelessness, mental illness is happening right now on our streets. You've been on the forefront of that. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Frank. Uh, so we're putting together an event, Conversations on Criminal Justice, April 14th um, in Chandler. You can go to Speak AZ, up, brother. We want to go to azvalley.com to uh, check that out. It's homelessness, substance abuse, and mental illness is one overriding topic because all they, they often interweave with each other and they are uh, often synonymous. They are criminalized, um, you know, unfortunately, whether intentionally or inadvertently um, by our system. And I think we all know the prison population right now is full um, with nonviolent first time drug offenders. These people need treatment. And, you know, we're we're going to have a great event. We have an amazing lineup of speakers, policymakers, and, and we're going to look for solutions. Um, we're happy to have Chris Martin on the panel talking to his experience Um specifically uh, as it pertains to DOC and releasing people back into society because, you know, we need to focus on rehabilitating these people, getting them back into society, um, it, you know, not just a punitive uh, system that, that is. Yeah, some of your guest system. speakers, you've got Paul Penzone, Maricopa County Sheriff, Chris Mays, Attorney General, Representative uh, Ben Toma, Speaker of the House. You've got some heavyweights that are interested these things start off as, as panels and conversations. Mm -hmm. We're trying to light the fire. It's not an easy thing. I grew up in New York City. Politicians on one side of the corner. Vote for me across the street. Broad daylight. Heroin on the streets. Seven-year-old kid sees this. It's like, okay, Nancy Reagan in the background. Just say no. I'm playing pinball and they're selling face bongs. And I'm like, that's not tobacco. It's an odd society, and here we are today. You're having an in-depth look at how homelessness, substance abuse, and mental health are criminalized, how they're policed and handled, and really towards that Arizona correctional uh, yeah, I think, institution and reentry systems. Exactly, and Arizona is, you know, has its issues, um, you know, but I, I definitely want to say that, you know, the needle is moving, uh, and I think it's moving in the right direction, um, albeit— In what way? Let's talk about that. What's fresh off the presses? Um, what are we doing different? Uh, Senator Kaiser, uh, a Republican out of Legislative District 2, just passed two bills um, that went through and, and were signed, and they are both uh, basically 
short term, I, I don't have the information out from you, but they they lessen the amount of time people will have to spend on probation. They give they increase the amount of good time people can get on probation to get off earlier, um, and they also you know help people um, by shortening the sentences overall, um, giving them avenues to get employment. So uh, this is the key. I speak to my industry all the time. Right now, we all know it's a, it's a, it's beating a dead horse. The shortage of labor, not just in our industry. Yeah. we got 35 million baby boomers retiring. That's a void. It's going to be with us for the next 10 years. Right. So I hear my industry saying, we can't find good mechanics and technicians. I'm like, you have to go from now hiring to now mentoring. And I'm going to make a formal announcement now. Many of you know we're expanding a location up in Carefree. We'll be serving Carefree in North, uh, North Scottsdale, Desert Car Care of, Care of Cave Creek. we got a few months. We should be open. I'm going to be hip to hip. We've always have been hip to hip, but I want to explore the convict programs. And I hate to use yeah. convict yeah. In, in the retraining and because we don't do enough. It, exactly. And that. here's an industry complaining. It's like, come on, really? Here's a guy that's hungry. He knows he can go back. And that's what it is. It bothers it's, me, man. It's about rehabilitation. Chris, it's got to bother you. you. You got cats that have been back in and in and out, and you saw them so close, but that program didn't work. One thing I think you have to do is make it DOC's idea. Because as an inmate or a convict, when it's your idea, it's never a good idea. Um, I can speak to that. I wrote a curriculum for Winslow Prison to help them with reentry because we saw the same thing sitting on the inside. Seeing your friends come back over ridiculous violations for absolutely no reason is not good for anybody, right? So they 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 have these classes that are mandatory you're supposed to take, and they're just not con, they're not up to date. They're not conducive to helping people be better and, and not fall into that recidivism trap. So when we write that and we try to submit that and it gets denied, there's an issue. You know, I think people on the inside have just as much insight as the people that are holding you on the inside. Not everyone needs to have an opinion. I understand that in prison. Look, it, it's a necessary evil that you got to have some people that are supposed to be there. I saw them. They need to stay there. I understand that. But there's way more people that deserve to be home. We've got 40,000 cannabis inmates sitting in prisons right now when billions of dollars are being made hand over fist, state to state. It's ridiculous. Why aren't they home? They should come home. That's why I'm excited to be a part of this panel because normally guys like me would either have to bribe or pay their way into that table. And I got invited. I got asked. And it's awesome to represent people that can't represent themselves. Well-deserved and well-earned. You are spirit, brother. Conversations on criminal justice, April 14th at the Avion Center. An in-depth look at how homelessness, substance abuse, and mental health are criminalized, policed, and handled within Arizona's correctional and reentry systems. Register now, azvalleyconsulting.com. You've got a great slew of panel speakers from law enforcement, attorney generals. You are community. Don't tell me you're going to go back to your social media and hide and get your dopamine hits with the red alerts. Be a part of the community. Some of you stand by and you talk about it, then it goes away. It's like shampoo that runs out. It's done. I'm going to just buy another one. This is a serious conversation. You need to be a part of it. azvalleyconsulting.com. Chris Martin, you talk about chapter one. I, I, I found this book fascinating. I have not read it all, 
And thank you. You gave me this book prior to the show. I was just going to get one on Amazon. You're going to sign this book, brother, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Um, the first chapter is family values. Can we get back to the root? Have there been studies to show that as our society over time, we can go back as far as it's relevant. Are we deteriorating regarding family values? Is that I, causing more issues? Absolutely. I feel like it starts at home. You know, I, I'm one of those kids that's lucky enough to say that I lived in an era where we didn't have social media and we didn't have cell phones. And it was really about, you know, go to the guy's door and knock on it and ask them if they want to play football instead of text them and see if they're going to show up. Um, yeah, family values is, is huge. And me now, I'm a dad of, of five. I'm a grandpa of three. Uh, that family value means more to me now than I ever was taught or ever thought it would. And I think that's what breaks that cycle. That's what breaks that change is going back to that family value. More people you can speak to, it probably it, it rings a bell for you. It inspires you. I'm sure you wake up in the middle of the night. It's un inevitable. Uh, it's like a military guy that's been in battle. Um, you, you may wake up in a cold sweat because of something that went down in prison that you felt, man, it almost seems like I'll never get out of here. I know I got a date. But I'm 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 crawling over rocks and walking on eggshells. Can you speak to the people listening now? We have listeners all over the globe that may have a family member in prison for what is not a major felony of of major uh, murder or what have you. What do you tell these families to keep the hope? I'm sure you've spoken to many yeah. who are just bored there. Never give up, yeah. but they just. It's changed your life. You know, honestly, that's what it's about is hope. Once that hope is gone, we all know what happens and where we end up. Uh, what I say to the family is don't forget them. Don't don't leave them in there. You know, on average, between 12 and 14 months of a sentence, anytime after that or longer than that, the phone calls start to slow down, the letters start to slow down. And then when you get into the years, I can tell you firsthand, I had people that had done 25 plus around me. I was getting mail coming in from people, you know, social media friends. I mean, I, my nickname was Hollywood because I got so much mail. I would literally go around to my lifers and hand them cards and let them open them just so they got mail. Because I couldn't stand to watch the fact that it had been 25 years and there's no family writing them anymore. I watched the guy after 25 that was getting ready to go home get so scared to go home. He punched one of the cops in the face that was one of his good buddies that he had known 22 years on the same yard because he was afraid to go home. We have to do better job with this reentry, showing them that there's a better life outside of prison. When you get so institutionalized and cozy to stay in there that you don't want to come home, we're doing something wrong. People are fearful. They come out, they're jaded. I, I mean, I see that on the streets right now, actually. Um, I have these conversations periodically with my kids. It's like we see it, folks asking for money. We know that there's a, a major drug epidemic. But folks aren't prepared. Brian Fox, is this going to be on the panel? Is there going to be discussions yeah. about how yeah. this reentry may be, to say the least, broken? Yeah, so I, I, you touched on it earlier. First, I want to thank Chris uh, again because when you guys talk about hope, uh, this is the sort of example that, that needs to come out of these, um, you know, these, these systems. And it's, you know, he's a shining example, but this, this does exist for other people. Workforce pipelines, okay? It, having a support system is always a, a, you know, a plus and something there. But it is a fact that jobs keep people out. They give people purpose. They give people money. They give people a method to support themselves and their family members. We need, we have an employment uh, crisis in this country. We have a lot of people. We've switched from a tertiary economy back to a service economy, and we need to foster 
the people who need those jobs into those jobs. Um, and Let me, I got to interject real quick because uh, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of, I can speak for the automotive industry. I'm hearing a lot of um, shop owners, whether they're multi-store big dogs mm-hmm. or just a single shop. They seem to have this element of fear because traditionally it's like, well, I can't have a felon working for me. Can you tell me how that is overcome there, in that mindset? What would you say to somebody like that? What measures are in place? We know we got a cat like Chris Martin. He's got a belly of fire. He wants to come in. He wants to learn. He does not want to go back. First of all, talk to people. Meet them. I think everybody knows in every situation just coming out of COVID, coming out of all the sort of um, racial you know, discord that we've had, conversations and meeting people go a long way. To changing your attitude. COVID. One. Susie, I got to get Susie on the mic because we saw this firsthand. Please, yeah. Susie, I know you're sitting down. We're sharing mics in the studio, so I appreciate everyone uh, and their patience. We're going to bring her on this mic. Susie, we witnessed this firsthand. Like COVID, I can only imagine those that already had knee-deep problems, whether it was, I'm just getting out of prison or I'm going to prison. COVID gave society an anchored black eye. Some of us still have remnants of that. It was tough to get get through that, and, and we're we weren't in the system. We were just dealing with something. You had mess. You had mentioned uh, Brian, a divide. Mm-hmm. Susie, you think our society is a lot more divided from COVID? Not maybe not COVID the illness. I don't think it's divided, so to speak. I think it it changed our behaviors absolutely. Just even in the garage. Um, when individuals, you know, would, would have a hard time. Are you doing, what are you doing to sanitize some of the, some of the customers remember Frank, Mark and I, and yeah, we, we would, take, I, I, we would I don't pick wanna, up the cars. I don't want to speak on it medically yeah. because it, you know, that, that, that happened. I'm saying as human beings, Brian, um, it increased people's, uh, you know, staying by themselves, the inability to talk to people. You get in your own bubbles. The social media creeps up, and you know you start playing those game mind games with yourself, and people go down rabbit holes. Or uh, worse yet, hashtag fake news, mm-hmm. social media. Exactly. Let's talk on this. Chris Martin, one life. Your story is incredible. You can get the book on Amazon. Have you seen social media twist up the society a little bit? I, I know we're talking about a youngster that may have gotten in trouble and there are programs out there, social media making this worse? You know, I I agree that it is. I've got kids. I've watched uh, social media just cause everything from panic attacks to, you know, social inequity. You know, like my son is homeschooled and he was 17. He's part of this social media boom. And he couldn't, he wouldn't know how to walk up and have a conversation with somebody without someone else provoking it. And I feel like that's social media driven. So yeah, of course, social media is going to have a lot of effect on this because it's access to that type of quote unquote media. or whatever. It almost feels like it's a fantasy getaway. Sure. And these fools that design these systems, social media has its place. I, I get a little frustrated with it knowing that everyone, but maybe more impressionable teens, they're getting a dopamine hit. It certainly has its place. I mean, I was in Egypt for the last revolution and Facebook was a catalyst and it served a purpose and it overthrew a dictator. Um, It also, you know, fuels people's narcissism um, and it fuels their own belief um, in things that may or may not be true. Um, You know, 
so in order, I think, to for your first question, you know, I think for people to get over the stigma of, of hiring felons is let's talk to them first. You got to remember most of these guys are first-time nonviolent drug offenders. Everybody's got teenagers at some point. You know what I mean? These guys, like I said, you know, one joint in a place that used to be a no-tolerance state. You know, these things can happen if you don't have the proper support systems. These are everybody's a human. They're just they're just kids. I want to. I feel like you could. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like DOC. If we could work with DOC on having an eight to twelve week curriculum. I mean, look, most of the jobs in there are either in the kitchen or in offsite at a water treatment plant or uh, throwing watermelons on a farm or whatever. If you use that experience, that eight to twelve weeks in a curriculum, and then got credit for it, and then when you came out to an existing business like a Chiba Hut, who's already agreed to do this with us, and Hempful Farms, my cafe, if they come out with that eight to twelve week curriculum already signed off on by a CO three, then there's no reason in the world why the business owner can't see that and say, Hey, look, they've jumped through those hoops for twelve weeks and are now ready for your program, ready to come work for you. I mean, to me as a business owner, that's going to tell me that that guy put, or woman put that time in and is really trying to do this right. There's also growing evidence that people who do hire felons and take that chance on them get very, very loyal employees that stay, stick around, um, which obviously is a economic for the business. Uh, you also get federal tax breaks. So, Correct. you know, it's an economic issue as well. If you're just joining us, uh, Brian Fox in studio uh, azvalleyconsulting.com, April 14th, people. What time is this? Uh, doors will open at 1230. We'll start promptly at 1 o'clock with a keynote address from Attorney General Mays. Uh, then we'll start our three panel discussions. Uh, the city of Chandler will also be um, highlighting its homeless navigator program, which is, you know, an alternative because we don't want our police um, policing these issues. We want our police going after criminals. We want our police going after violent crimes. We don't want them, you know, going after the drunk guy at the bus stop. We're going to talk about your success, Chris Martin, and get the book One Life, The Chris Martin Story on Amazon. My daughter's in studio. She's 14. She had mentioned something about COVID and her peer group. Come on, Natalie, come on. Just thinking of, you know, the teenage peer group and talking on the, you know, COVID and drug addiction. A lot of teens were stuck indoors. They were stuck in this kind of state of, you know, they're not socializing, you're not going out, you're at home, stuck in your room, bored, a lot of depression, mental health situations going on. And a lot of these teens are becoming addicted to an easier way out, you know, not socializing, not talking with your friends. You can find these coping mechanisms that are not healthy. And I know in my peer group that this has been, you know, an outbreak of taking drugs, abusing these easier way outs and essentially just becoming addicted. Yeah, there's truth to that, Chris Martin. I imagine you do with a lot of families of, of youngsters where, you know, we're not trying to bring history back with COVID. It was a shitty time, no doubt. A lot of people died. But some of these kids came out fractured. I'm sure you, you deal with a lot of these stories and, and, and try to help. Well, yeah, because the prison system essentially went on lockdown uh, with COVID. I don't know if people realize that, but there were no visits. Their their commissary. You were lucky if you got anything, and people were sick. And and when you're sick in prison, where do you go? You know, there's there's nowhere to. It's not like the medical care system in there is is top notch. You're you're not being rushed off to this amazing hospital to get care. You're you're gonna lay there until someone really worries that you might not make it. So yeah, it, it's fractured the system completely. But I also feel like in some aspects that that's kind of been taken advantage of. I feel like that whole COVID thing 
that shirt tail has kind of been ran because there's still issues with visits going on right now and that's being blamed on You COVID. think it was a standard that may have been lowered that, oh, we can do this and we can do it successfully, but maybe not, you know, revealing studies that showed that it's not the case. You you need right. visits. You need to, there has to be care for Christ's sakes. We're all freaking human beings. We all make mistakes. And I think that's the overriding topic. You cannot blind eye the situation. A lot of you do. It's not my life until it is. Until you find out your cousin is is in a deep situation. And um, you have a beautiful story, Chris Martin, coming out of prison. Um, you were, you've been on ABC 15. You've got a documentary film. Let's talk about, I believe it was Convicted Creations. <laughs> is that correct? You, you yes. started this whole movement that led to the Hempful Farms. Correct. Let's so, talk about that. So when Zonka launched, you know, we got raided and we had children. We had to stay relevant. We had to pay bills. Um, so I took my top three products from Zonka. I converted them to hemp and I put them online at, just to try to get some revenue coming in. I was a chef over at uh, Crust at Tatum and Bell and I had been just trying to make money, survive this course. Well, you got case. a nickname. What's the nickname regarding chef? The Hempful Chef? Yeah, the Hemp Chef. Hemp Chef. Hemp there Chef. You go. I've been the guy that puts hemp in your food since day one. So um, anyway, I. I told my wife that I was going to quit my job and she panicked. She was like, are you kidding me? You're looking at a hundred years. You're one of the bigger incomes coming into the home. What are we going to do? And I said, trust me. And, uh, she did. And honestly, we had 63 orders that night. We knew that things were going to go right. I just so happened to have an investor from Facebook who saw our branding, saw our product line and heard our story and said, look, I, I want to come see what you do. They came out. We were in our living room producing these products. So, you know, when you're facing life, I feel like you'll do, pretty much whatever it takes to defend your family. And I rented a kitchen from a, a gentleman for a weekend. I told him I was going to uh, cater a wedding. And these investors came in and I actually set it up like my lab. I had it set up as if we were doing all of our production there. They came in, they saw it, they saw the kitchen and they said, well, what are you going to do at the restaurant? And I said, Hemful Farms Cafe. And before I could even really devise a business plan, I spit out hemp infused breakfast and lunch and juices and smoothies. And the guy cut me a $100,000 check for 20% of my company before I went to prison. So not only did it allow us to open up the first restaurant infused with hemp in Arizona, but it gave my wife the money and the capital to survive this if I don't come home. You know, it gave her something to deal and have as a kind of a, a dealing coin or, or you know, something to, to Well, you mentioned, you mentioned hope. I mean, I think, I think your drive, you didn't, you didn't see any barriers. I, you, you knew you could get this done. And, and I always believe some of you, some of you sit on the sideline and say, oh, that girl's lucky. Oh, that guy's lucky. Now, maybe dude wins $5 million lottery. He didn't do anything but scratch a bunch of stuff and, and participate. But hard work produces that luck. And we, we know that. You've heard of that. HempfulFarmsCBD.com. Now you're moving and grooving with this site. What else? What other positive vibes? And we're going to talk about your wife because she's your backbone. Yep. What else you got going on? Uh, we actually got some great news. Uh, we've been trying to get cannabis licensed here in Arizona since day one. So I've I filed a pardon. I've gotten my felony record expunged. Um, and we still have not been able to obtain a license here, just mainly because of cost. It's corporatized here. So you're looking at 12 to... What's the cost anyway? Um, I saw a social equity license go for eight. I think Brian said he saw one go for three and a half million. 
I mean, even at three and a half million for me and my wife, that's a pretty big haul. So we went to New Mexico and we applied for licensing there for a dispensary, a grow and and a kitchen and we got it. Yeah, congratulations, man. So you know what? As the story goes, we're going to follow our path and go help some people in New Mexico. I imagine you kept your relationships with some some folks, brothers in in prison. I got you. Yes. What are you doing in that respect? Uh, you know, right now, as a matter of fact, we have a gentleman named Frank Epler. He's doing seven life sentences. He's in Eloy prison right now. He went to prison. His story's crazy. No one died. There's no murder. He got uh, sales. He got assault, and he got kidnapping. Story was he was selling meth for the cartel. He didn't want to. He got out of it. It was scary business. Came back about a year later and started selling weed for him because he needed money. His friends saw he was making money. They wanted a job. He got his friend a job. The friend came up short. Cartel comes to collect. They beat them both up. The guy got so scared he ran to the feds, testified against Frank. Frank gets kidnapping. Frank gets assault. And he's not even the guy who touched him. But because of the way it went down in court, seven life sentences. There's no news story. There's no book and doco like my story because I got to get out and do that stuff. He's on year number 12 out of seven life sentences and nobody knows he's there. So my goal, my, my plight are people like Frank. I want people to hear it. I want people to get mad about it. I even want people to question it because you know, I'm the guy that emails this dude every night. How you sleeping, man? How you doing? What can I do for you? Are you okay? When he tells me that, you know, I didn't do these things I was testified on. And when you check his track record, he's never even had a ticket in 12 years of prison. You know, damn well, he's telling you the truth. Yeah, no, what you're doing is uh, is courageous, it's inspirational in a lot of this, because as men, I, I think we can all speak in this room, Susie, as women, we count on our partners. Andrew Martin, your partner, talk to us about your lovely. Uh, you know, I met Andy when I moved out here to play college ball. So I actually, when I got raided for the joint in my dorm room, Andy's number was the only phone number I had memorized. So when I went to jail, I had to call her mom and dad to let her know I was in jail, which was absolutely embarrassing. Um, She's always been my college sweetheart. I just, it took me a lot of years to tell her that. We stayed best friends. She actually got married. I got married both separately um, because I never told her how I felt. And once I had the opportunity, she was going through divorce. I was going through divorce and I just spilled my guts. And that was 22 years ago. And we've been together ever since we've opened up all these businesses and Honestly, when I went to prison, they deemed her my co-defendant. So we couldn't have phone calls. We couldn't have visitations. I went the entire two years without one visit from my wife. When I got caught talking to her on the phone, they actually put me in the hole for four weeks because they tried to say she was a co-defendant because they raided us together. Um, Never been in trouble, never had a felony, an RN or in the medical field, 18 years, you know, never that, that from that life whatsoever. So for her to walk this out with me and to, to trust me and to survive with me on that, I mean, she deserves all the credit. Prison's easy. You sit there and slap a dumb guy every now and then. But other than that, you just sit there. there there's no jobs. There's no work. There's no, you know, programs. It's, it's that hope and that focus on what you have after this. I think for me, it was the hope was lost in the beginning when I had to write the book because I didn't know if I was going to get life or not. I wrote the book because I thought I wasn't coming home and I wanted my kids to know, Hey, look, I'm not some drug dealing piece of shit. I want you to know that I'm a good man. And no, I don't care what the media tells you. Well, then once I found out that I had an outdate, I knew I was okay. So that stress and that 
to me, it was all about the plan, the plan after that. So the book, the doco, that was the plan. The doco just became the bigger plan. The The book launched, it fell into the publisher's hand over at GCM Media, and he said, we have to make a movie out of this. So we spent the year, we went back to Kansas, we talked to all the social, you know, all my, my social workers and judges and anybody who was still around from my time in the system, and we tried to put out just not only an informational documentary, but a heartfelt feeling, love story. You know, it's th- this is the reason why I'm here is because my wife didn't give up. My kids didn't give up. I didn't give up. And I have a chance to share that now. Not a lot of people get to do that. So I feel like not only would I sell me short, my family short, and all those people still in prison, but I gave my word to God. You know, I told him, if I get this chance, you will see what I do. And And now, you know, we're eight years out. Uh, of prison and it, it's no looking back it, it, it's about changing things for others now brian i imagine you're dealing with a lot of legislators uh you do an awesome job on the political front of of doing your best to size up a message people can be chaotic uh they may not be in tune uh they may be jaded because they thought something was the way it was uh i'm sorry sometimes our media let's just call it what it is um, maybe they're not researching the facts and the data. Doing these panels allows you to bring a huge cross-section together so you can get the facts out to the public. You know, it's that's the one thing I want to talk about. Also, you know, you know, a lot of people get out, they become that jaded person. You know, you have to have attitude like Chris. You can't let these things break you. Our democracy is imperfect, and it's going to remain imperfect. It is up to us as citizens, as people, as responsible adults to constantly be working on, on it and, cha- and let it change uh, as it changes um, and, and as those needs change. Chris isn't mad at the system. He doesn't want to you know, burn down police stations. We want to fix these, these problems that are in the best interest of all of us. That's what this event is about. We are lucky to have a whole bunch of good very positive legislators coming out here to look for positive systems for these problems. And so that's, that's what this is going. Yeah, that's incredible. A journey of unconditional love and a mission to help heal people. You're not find anyone more genuine than Chris Martin. Get the book on Amazon. One Life, the Chris Martin story. Gentlemen, an honor to have you on this show. We will have you back, and I certainly will see you guys at that April 14th gig. Thanks for joining Wrench Nation. Thank you.